Um, we've been going through a, a sermon series called Back to the Basics. Um, and the first, the first part of that series was um, b- the basics of a growing church. Um, and we found that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it talked about four things they were devoted to, to the apostles' teachings or to the word, to the fellowship, to the table, and to the prayers. And so we're trying, uh, as we have this goal of growing together in grace and truth, that these four elements, uh, these four devotions are going to be hopefully primary in that growing together process that we're hoping to do. Well, we're staying on the back to the basics part, but we're moving beyond the basis of a growing church. We're moving to a different set of basics, and they really should be just called the basics of faith or the basic faiths is probably what it should actually say. There, there's some things that, that are just basically we believe in, uh, and they're challenging things, but they're, they're important uh, to, the, to our faith, and, and then we take them by faith, we take them by belief. And so I want to spend a couple of weeks talking about what the, we, we sang the song, this I believe, this I believe. And within that song, a lot of those basics are there, but we're going to be talking about those. But if you read the daily readings this week, uh, the plan that was laid out, uh, Genesis 1 through, uh, through part of Genesis 2, uh, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. Now, it won't always be this kind of one-to-one ratio. What we read that week will be what the sermon's about. But I am going to try to make as many connections between the sermon and our reading as possible each week. But it won't always be this direct. And so the what the first basic faith I want us to talk about today is creation. That this is something we believe. One of the great philosophical questions of human history is what is the meaning of life? People have often tried to figure out, so what is all this about? Life, when we, when we consider our existence, uh, our time uh, alive, our time on this planet, what, what is that all about? One of the most basic things we believe as Jesus followers is that we're created. One of the, our, our starting point is creation. And it is from that creation that we will gain much of what life's meaning is when we look at it from that. But I've got a statement I need to make and that you need to understand probably. And that is, I am not a creationist. Well, actually I am. But I say it this way to make it a point. I'm not a creation in that I don't find all the importance of creation in the fact that there is a creation. The reason I'm a creationist, some of you are like, what's he talking about? It's not about creation, but it's about the creator. And we sometimes get so busy arguing for creationism that we forget the whole point of creationism is to give us evidence and, and the importance of there is a creator. And, and so I, uh, the, the definition of a creationist would be someone who worships creation. <clears throat> and I don't want to worship creation. I don't want this to be my main thing. It's all about the creator who's behind creation. Even in chapter 1 of Romans, and the verse 24th verse, it talks about the danger of focusing too much on creation itself or the creatures. It says, therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature 
rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so I'm a creationist. I believe in creation. It is one of my fundamental faiths. It's one of the things I'm probably the most passionate about out of scriptures. But it's all because it reveals to me the creator. And it's in the creator we find the meaning of life. It's in relating to the creator and honoring the creator and knowing the creator. It's within him uh, that we find our importance. I also want to be pretty honest and, and, and to the best of my ability about this. If you know, creation is one of those debated things in our world. And, and, and I have a little paradigm. I didn't show it this week, but I kind of draw this thing, uh, human understanding. And, and the further away from the cross on either side we get, as we go towards origins or we go towards the, uh, the end times, as you go to those extremes, our understanding gets less and less and less. But as we draw to the cross, as we as history moves to the cross or away from the cross, the clarity of our understanding about what God was up to and what God wants us to understand, the closer to the cross we get, the better understanding we have. And so on both ends, we're left with a lot of questions at times. And, and we ask questions that the Bible doesn't answer. Uh, I, I will say this. The Bible tells us everything we need to know. It will not tell us everything we want to know. Right. Um, and so there are questions out there, but, but let's be honest. I, I want to be honest to the best of my understanding. You see, we all look at the creation evolution debate with a set of glasses. All right. This is my creation glasses and you can't see it probably where you're sitting, but written across the lens is the word creation. And so we put on these glasses and everything we look at is looked at through the lens of creation. We look at, I look at a tree, I look at people, I'm looking at all of you right now through the lenses of creation. And everything I see is influenced by the lenses or the glasses I wear because I'm looking at the same amount of information. Evolutionists do the exact same thing. They look at you, they look at a tree, they look at the sky, and they put on the lenses of evolution. And they interpret everything they see, all the information through a particular set of lenses, that being evolution. And so the choice we face as people of faith is, which one of these pair of glasses are we going to put on? Now, there are people who try to put both of them on, which really looks silly, if you thought these looked silly. But so let's just be up front and say, I'm a creationist because I believe I've made a choice to look at the world through the lenses of biblical creation. And that's just the truth of the matter. We we look at the same information. We look at the same data because no one can go back to the beginning and see it unfold. We can't repeat the start. And we only have the information we have before us at this day. And then we must interpret it quite often through the lenses we have. And so that is why I call it it's a basic faith. It's something we believe by choice. And so when I was talking about not being a creationist, I want to see that that the creator is more important than the creation. It's really the creator that we want to understand. And creation, the creator is over creation. It's more important for us to think about him. And it's in him that we get this. Understanding a creator or recognizing a creator or accepting a creator gives five foundational truths. To a meaningful life. And that's meaningful. 
For a life to have full meaning, it comes from five foundation. There might be more, but we're going to talk about at least five days. Five foundational truths that having a creator gives to life. Now, the first one is authority. When we have a creator, we have an authority. Now, in Romans chapter 1, it talks about all these evil things people do because they're worshiping the creature instead of the creator. You know, and, and I believe much of what the world, much of the reason people will argue that there isn't a creator is because they want to be able and be free to do whatever they want to do. If there is someone who made us, if there's someone bigger than us, if there's someone in charge of us, if there's someone who made me, then he's bigger than me, more powerful than me. And I pretty much owe my very existence to the creator. So it gives me an authority. The, the great end of the evolutionary chain, the evolutionary thought is you are the happy result of a whole bunch of accidents and you're the pinnacle of everything. What you decide is right. And what you decide is uh, what you decide is right is right. And what you decide is wrong is wrong. And there is no one over you. You're in complete control of your life. You can be whatever you want to be. You can decide whatever you want to decide. And as a free agent, you are just it. We have uh, elevated humans to the place of God himself. And so when we recognize a creator, the first thing we must understand is that there is an authority. There is someone who understands life better than I do. There's someone who I can listen to. And I think this is how it plays out. For those of you who have the sermon notes, you'll see kind of the truth. And then there's this place called reaction. All right. And, and so how we react to these truths, that's kind of open up to you. I'll make some suggestions. But this is a place for you to really seek and, and kind of figure out, well, how will I react to the fact that there's an authority over me? Well, one verse the Bible says for us to submit ourselves to God. And so one of the, the things that when it comes to there being an authority, we have a choice. Am I going to submit or am I not going to submit? In John chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, For this is the love of God. We will keep his commandments, and these commandments are not burdensome. So one of the other reactions we can have to authority is to love and obey. And by the way, that's like two sides of the same coin. You can't say you love God and you disobey him. And you can't, you know, it just doesn't work. You can't have one without the other. It's love and obey because Jesus is our authority. So think about it this way. Anybody know this, by the way? This is the owner manual to my car. Amazing, huh? You know who wrote this? The creator of my car. You know what it tells me in here? How to get the most out of my car. How to take the best care of my car. How to treat my car. Why should I trust this manual? Because it was written by the creator of my car. They are the authority on my car. They know more about my car than I do. Now, I have the choice to say, well, over here it says I should change my oil. Eh. I might do that. 
I might not. Don't really care. You know? Anyone ever had an engine blow up? <laughs> it's not pretty, is it, Jody? No. You, you get the point. Is that because there's an authority, there's somebody who understands my car better than me. They give me instructions. And if I will submit to that authority, if I will seek that authority's guidance and live and take care of my car according to the guidance of the authority, I'm going to get the most out of it. The great thing about life and having a creator, there's an owner's manual, right? And if we will submit to our authority, follow our authority, choose to love and obey our authority, you're going to have the most meaningful life possible. It's when we deviate from the instructions that the meaning gets pulled out of life. And so there's one reaction. There's one great truth of having a creator. There's an authority on how to live life. By the way, why is it okay? We, you read this week where it talks about in, in the last reading of Friday was where God puts Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden. And he says, this one tree you can't eat of. Why was it okay for God to put that prohibition? Because he's got the authority to do it. He's the creator. He can do what he wants to do. And many of us find that kind of authority stifling and, and bad, and we don't want that. And we reject God's authority because we want to be in control. The second thing uh, recognizing a creator gives that helps you have a meaningful life is humility. Okay, so we just recognize God's authority is bigger than us. He's more powerful than us. We owe our existence to him. And, and the fact of the matter, which a lot of people in this world don't realize, is God created the world, and you're not the center of it. He created the universe. And you're not the center of that. And that there's a certain humility that comes when we realize we aren't the apex creature. Matthew 22, 37 and 40 says this. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And what's the second one? To love others as yourself. In the two great commandments, where do you fall? You're not mentioned. In the great two commandments, our focus is supposed to be on God and others. Because it's not about us. And one of the great lies that our society has told this, and if you've said this and you say it to me, I will say, uh uh. You ever heard, you can't love others till you love yourself? Not true. If you're loving yourself, it makes it really hard to love others. And our world has become so about us because why? Because you're the pinnacle. You're, you're the top dog. You are God. You can say what's right. You can determine yourself. You're pretty awesome. And it becomes all about us and us being happy and us being affirmed and us being taken care of. And we reminded ourselves of what Jesus taught his disciples. You must deny who? Yourself. And take up your cross and follow me. Jesus at the Last Supper bends on his hands and knees and he washes his disciples' feet. And he says, if I'm your leader and the Christ and I've done this to you, do this to others, right? And so over and over the scriptures talk to us about being humble. And that our greatest duty is to love God and to love others. 
If you have problems, this is one of the things we taught the kids I worked with regularly. If you have problems, the best way to get over your problems is to help somebody else with theirs. And get your eyes focused off yourself. Because when we start to focus on others, things in our world get a lot better. It makes no sense, but it's biblical truth. And if you know, everything in the Bible is turned upside down. And so that's part of that truth. The third foundation that gives your life meaning. So now you have the meaning of listening to authority. You have the meaning of serving others. That your life, and, and those of you, so this is your testimony in Lamar. When you go down there and you serve others, have you ever felt like your life meant more than when you were giving to somebody else? How many of you know that truth? It's when we do for others that my life seems to have more value than when I'm just doing for myself. And that gives a meaningful life, this type of humility. The third one is purpose. Your life has purpose. One of the saddest things about evolution is that we have to admit at the end of the day, I'm nothing but an accident. Now, if you feel that way about yourself, what purpose do you have? You're just a cosmic accident. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, 13, you were formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is my little bear. Charlene gave me this a few weeks ago when I first announced that I was going to, to Bogota. And, uh, and, she, and she told me the story. She said she sat down one day and she got some thread and some needles out and she just started like, doing her knitting thing and out popped a bear how many of you believe that no she sat down on purpose she had a pattern she had a plan and she purposely knitted out a bear elaine likes to i like i gotta ask elaine sometimes does she ever sit down and just start you know knitting away and then all of a sudden we're just gonna knit and see what happens Wow, it's a sock. Wow, it's a glove. It just happens and we never even had a plan. No, we look at this bear and say, well, somebody had a plan and a purpose. Her purpose, by the way, is I'm to take this. I think she's making me some more. So she's been turning out little bears. So that when I meet with people in Bogota and there's kids around, here you go. Give them out to the kids while I'm there in Bogota. This little bear didn't just happen. There's a purpose and plan. And Charlene knitted it together with that purpose and plan in mind. And the Bible tells us in the exact same way, God knitted you together, knitted you together for a purpose and a plan. He's got something for you and your life is not meaningless. It is not an accident. It was on purpose. And that is a great thing. You want your life to have meaning. Our, the meaning of life is to the pursuit of finding what my purpose God has given me on this planet is for. You didn't just pop out. You were knitted together. The third, fourth thing. Value. Because we recognize we are the result of a creator, you have value. You have great worth. Now it's time for show and tell. 
Just thought I'd let you look at some of my children's artwork. Here's a little school building. Here's an eye. A not-so-happy eagle. A turtle. A castle. And a pretty good self-portrait. Now, if you looked at those, and we have a professional artist among us who, who does great and amazing things. Um, if I was to try to sell these to any museum, I probably wouldn't get a whole lot of income. I'm not going to, what's that show, that TV show where you would, uh, the antique road show or whatever. I'm not going to the antique road show and taking these and like, guess what? It's a million dollar Monet. Congratulations. But in my heart, there's great, great value in these. And I imagine that some of you thought about some of the similar things you have and treasure at home. The value is not in the product. I don't value these things because they're great works of art. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them could use some improvement. They're diverse. They don't look the same. But the value comes not in the product, but in the people who made them. And the value you have is not in who you are, not in the product, not how you look, not what abilities you have, not your color, not anything, but you're valuable because of who made you. The value is not in the product, but in the person who made it. And in the same way, we are valuable because of our maker. Our value is intrinsic in who we are. And there's a verse in Luke's gospel that says this. This is Luke 20, 24, and 25. Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said Caesar's. He said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. Jesus holding up a coin. He says, show me the image that's on that coin. And they say, it's Caesar's image. He said, well, fine, give it to Caesar. What? Bears the image of God. You read it this week. God said, let us make man in our image. People bear the image of God. The same way that coin bared the image of Caesar. And Jesus says, give that to Caesar. But give to God what belongs to him. Those things that bear his image. Think about this. Humans are the currency of heaven. We have value Because we are the currency. We are the image bearers of God. Now think about this. Every week we work hard and we're very diligent to give Caesar's currency to God. Right? We got a whole bunch of, you know, George Washington's and Ben Franklin's. And we got a bunch of those guys down here. And we give that to God. What if we worked just as hard to bring heavenly currency into this place each week? We worked hard to bring other people, people who bear God's image, to offer to him week in and week out. And the great thing is, what I want you to know, and this is a humility thought, 
is that everyone is just as valuable as I am and as you are. Everyone knit together with value on purpose is just as valuable as any one of us are. And may we be diligent to bring God's tithe from heavenly money to him. And then the last thing. So that brings great meaning to your life. And the last one is hope. A life filled with hope. Why? Because we start to grasp the meaning of life. And the meaning of life doesn't come from us. It comes from our creator who's given us value, who's knit us together on purpose, who's our authority and wants to drive us and teach us how to have the best life. And someone who we can say we can depend on, that we can be part of something bigger than we are. Uh, that we can be part of his kingdom. This gives life meaning. And it is in God the creator that we find our meaning. One verse that maybe mentions that. I think we have a Bible full of things that, that guide us into this hope and meaningful life. But Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's the meaning of life. We find it from our creator and our relationship to our creator to walk humbly with our God and that we live this life with hope that it's got purpose. It's got value. We've got someone to help us and guide us. That's over us. We're not left to our own resources. We can humbly turn to him at any time. We can walk with him. And at the end of this life that he didn't create this life to be destroyed. He creates this life to live forever. And so if he made us in the beginning, remaking us at the end is an easy, easy feat. And so we live life, this life, with the greatest of hope. And so we find the meaning of a full life in this basic belief that we are God's creatures. And that makes life matter.